and welcome to Point of Origin episode 45, the podcast where, while Richard Dean Anderson might be a very good actor, Jack is very much not. You heard me. I said Cree. What got me was even before he started talking, like as he was walking up, I'm like, you're not walking like a gold. Come on. <laughs> I can't tell in the scene if who knows the truth? I can't tell if we're supposed to know the truth and how much of the truth we're supposed to know. And I can't tell how much of it's trying to be shown to me and how much of it isn't trying to be shown to me. All I know is that the state of confusion that they were definitely going for, that part succeeded. Oh, yeah, it definitely succeeded. And it was a distraction either way. It was just like you lied about what you were planning to do because you barely tried, Jack. You gave up literally ten seconds in, if that. So, yeah. Well, on that note, I'm Liz, and I'm Mel. I love, sometimes you sound like really happy to be here, and sometimes you sound like, um, all those kids from the 90s Barbies commercials. <laughs> I can't help that I grew up in Southern California for 25 years. There we go. I'm talking into a brand new mic arm at a brand new desk. I am not recording on the floor anymore. <laughs> And in other good news, we've reached season three. Yes, we have. Just in time. I got the desk for season three. You said just in time, and I'd already moved on. I was like, just in time for what? <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you that's, uh, you know, a question for the audience as well. There's no wrong answer because it's never established, I don't think. And I don't think it's been established off camera as far as I know. But... <sighs> I've said this before. I love how sometimes it seems like people only act a certain way because they didn't know. The characters also didn't know the surprise twist. It wasn't just the audience. So uh-huh. I'm going to ask you this now, Mel. Do you think Ellen knew she was a Tok'ra before t- part two? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I get the distinct impression no. that she didn't. No, I don't think she did. Because <laughs> that character development was so the opposite. It's worth spoiling. I know you're mad at me for it, but it's worth it. How dare you? I know, right? But when she, especially when she said a certain line, I am Tokra, I was like, then why does that seem like a surprise to you? <laughs> I have a question. If Hathor can sense that a gold used to be in Sam, how yeah. can she not sense that there is a gold larva in Ellen currently? You know, Mel, I had a same question. I, I, I also, I don't have an answer for you. The only explanation I could possibly come up with, and I'm willing to buy it because they are spies, the only explanation that's possible is that the Toker have developed some sort of tech to shield that. That could actually be completely a thing. Um, I guess my, my vague theory was kind of based on what the show has said, which is for Aminette's episode, they point out that Aminette, the snake, can go dormant. So I was, I guess, assuming that if for some reason the Tok'ra, specifically the symbiote, were to go go into hibernation mode um, and let the other operating system run fully, that maybe it wouldn't be detectable. It's, it's based on nothing and makes no <laughs> real sense because the premise would eliminate all the byproducts of gold, which is, I think, kind of what is being sensed, is, like, Nakwada in the system and shit like that, which I don't think the Nakwada just goes away because the snake is asleep. Or maybe it does. Who the fuck knows? (laughs) Joe's not interested in telling you, so we don't know. 
But yeah, I just kind of assumed the snake was asleep and maybe that, I don't know. Also, Hathor seems kind of bad at her job. Oh, she's definitely bad at her job. There's a couple of instances in this episode where I'm like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I'm totally down for your thing, though, with like a shield of some sort. Because that would make sense. If you're going to spy on fellow Goa old users, you'd uh-huh. have to have a form of camouflage. And my theory doesn't really work for long-term espionage because what, are the snakes going to always... Are they just going to always be dormant whenever there's a spy mission and there's go old nearby? What happens if there's an unexpected one coming nearby? Can you just instantaneously coma yourself? God. I don't think that would work. So, yeah, I think that it would, yeah, it it would have to be. I bet it's some sort of little device. No, I think it has thingy. to be, thinking about the Joliner episode, I think it has to be tech. Because Joliner was working so hard to jump host to avoid being found. So Jolinar like could that. be detected because Jolinar was caught unawares without the tech that they needed. Yeah, tracks, tracks to me. So I think that makes sense. So, but we definitely landed on the idea that Ellen probably didn't know she was a Togro no, before not. recording that episode those days. Filming that episode, sorry. Filming. We record, they film. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, so, I guess they kind of technically record. Well, yeah, they record events on film. Yeah. All right. So, uh... So... Now that we've spoken about this episode for 15 minutes. <laughs> That's just what we do, Mel. Yeah, I know. So, uh, as you mentioned earlier, we are starting season three, episode one, Into the Fire, which is, of course, a continuation of the end of season two and the DVD synopsis for this episode. Hathor captures O'Neill and implants him with a gold symbiote that could eventually kill him. What? Uh, That's not how those work. Uh, what? <laughs> it's not how what? those work. <laughs> Meanwhile, O'Neill's rescue party is defeated by Hathor's invincible energy barrier, and time is running out. Is there any way to save O'Neill? <laughs> Once again, we are back into, did you even watch the show territory? I think what they did was they, like, had it on and were fast-forwarding through the whole thing. <laughs> That's good reason to say. It's bad. That was that was bad. That was tragic. So this week's episode was written by Brad Wright, and you can see you it. No, it's it, kind of. It wasn't his best work. No, um, it's it definitely it was a wrap up. He was trying to you know finish things. Okay, I'm sorry, but this was more than a wrap-up, because that was, within five minutes, this episode hastily wrapped up with the previous episode, spent an entire hour setting up. Oh, yeah. Well, 40 minutes, but still. Because then this episode spent another 40 minutes continuing to build things. (laughs) Yeah, they wrapped up everything in, like, seven minutes. Like I said, when, when I was watching it, I was watching it, I'm like, there's only ten minutes left, and there are no solutions to any problems yet. But yeah, it, uh, but I mean when I say, you know, I can sort of see Brad right, is that there's definitely, th- I mean, there's so much happening in this episode, there isn't as much opportunity for his his snappy dialogue between people, but you still see, I, I made a note at one point, I'm like, for a, an episode like this, there's quite a few oddly funny moments. <laughs> I mean, okay, the writing isn't terrible, it's not great, it, one of my, the biggest problems with it is really the fact that it relies on just cliche after cliche oh it definitely does after cliche (laughs) there's there's one part there's there's one part i don't want to talk about until it happens but i was like oh i bet liz hates this so much (laughs) did it did it involve a strategic spotlight no i don't think so 
Oh, then there's two. Then there's two. This episode was entirely um, convenience. (laughs) This episode was entirely dramatic, and it was not bad, actually, despite all of that. Yeah, no. So that's that's (laughs) impressive, because I honestly... The more I watched this episode, the more I went, okay, seriously, this episode is just not well done. <laughs> like, it's not a good episode. But then the more I watched, the more I was still kind of like, yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. And like, wait, do I like this episode? Wait. What? <laughs> do, do I like this episode? Right? What's happening? There's, I, I think... there's several instances in which I am making fun of this episode, but I right? still kept having to stop and laugh. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was towards the end of the episode that I kind of figured out what was going on. I realized what it is, is this is around the time the show started to go down into Campville. It went a little campy territory. Yeah. And that's not bad, because SG-1 no. was a little silly, but it was funny, and it was a good show. Like, I think one of the reasons why I was confused, but what cleared it up for me, was season three is when shows start to solidify. Know who they are. Yeah, they've really gotten their identities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this episode, I think, is really just starting to reflect that, because it's just kind of silly, kind of dumb, but in a way that somehow is just inoffensive enough <laughs> that it goes back into being fun, even when it's being yeah. stupid. It's why a lot of times when people are trying to recommend a show to you, they'll be like, skip season one or whatever. Which, I can't do that. I'm incapable of doing that to the point to where, like, it's going to kill me enough that I'm going to play the um, second Alice Madness. I love Alice! Oh my god, I love Alice Madness Returns. It's such a good game. Without playing the first one, but it's impossible to find the first one. So I was like, well, fine, I guess I'm just fucking playing the sequel. But then people have told me the first one sucks anyway. But I do think that's also a strength of SG-1, is the fact that um, when they found their their pace, uh, yeah, that it was serious, but with camp, you know? Like, serious yeah. things were happening. Like, obviously, this episode was campy as hell, but then this season also has, um, oh god, what's it freaking called again? I just saw it. Forever in a Day. The season has forever in a day. I, I also noticed them setting up some storylines in advance with yeah. this episode. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Which I appreciate. And in an episode where they're already doing so much, <laughs> they remembered Chlorel. They get points just for that. They remembered Chlorel exists. <laughs> no, but what really just, what I'm just gonna rag on here is the fact that there was entirely too much perfect timing on everything. Oh, 100%. This was worse than the movie in in terms of its string of convenient timing. Oh, the last seven minutes of convenient timing were insane. I was like, okay. I was like, okay, so we've just gone into full Batman v Superman territory here, where if any yeah. number of things had gone wrong, this extremely convoluted series of events would not have gone down the way it did. But okay. So yeah. So, um, the episode opens up with Teal'c doing the recap the previously on, uh, and it's a long recap, which I understand because, like, there's a lot they have to remind us about, and it's been a season, supposedly. When I was a kid in, like, 6th and seventh or 7th grade, I remember that we used to do kind of like a book club thing for my one of my yeah. English classes. Yeah, oh, same. Uh, we were supposed to tell, you know, a summary every, like, Monday or something. Yeah. I remember every now and then I'd still get points knocked off, even though I knew these books like the back of my hand, because I'd go overboard. I'd add other details to the summary. Yeah. This recap reminds me of that. Oh, yeah, it does. They needed the editor to come in. This guy who did the recap gets like a 96. Yeah. Ooh, excellent. 
I always just have glow sticks handy, so I'm going to do a glow stick. There's going to be a small bumping noise while I hook my uh, glow stick <laughs> that I insist on having right now. It's beautiful. Yeah, I had to go find eco brands because these things are, like, fucking bad for the environment. Yeah. But yeah. All right, so now that we're over an hour in, let's actually talk about the show. Yeah, like let's do this. To. So, uh, after the recap, we're at SGC. And uh, it's it's a flurry of activity. We see the Marines returning uh, in a hurry and make peace. It shouts for Hammond. Um, I was and, like, just saying how funny it is that we didn't get first person shots in the flashbacks. And then we get of a first person It would have been a nightmare shot. to reshoot it. And then they're like, you know what would be funny for season three? First person shot. You know what? Because, oh, I don't know if I actually said this because um, I got distracted. It's directed by Martin Wood. Um, who is oh, a director yeah. that, uh, we do like, for the most part. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He, he does a great I job actually, this. And I like what this, I think it, that he does a good job of communicating the franticness of this scene through the first person of make peace, hurrying up the stairs to the briefing room looking for Hammond. I think it's a really good shot. No, it's a great shot. And the only thing that is, um, the only thing that takes me out of it is entirely my fault, and it's just because of me. But the only thing that took me out of it was when I heard Walter's voice. I went, Walter, it's Walter, Walter. Yeah, he's Walter's back, Walter's back. back. And then I had to rewatch the scene because I had, I was like a, I was like a bloodhound sniffing at my screen so, like a weirdo. So you were like that, whereas me, I went, Paul. <laughs> Man, poor Davis, he got so abused in this episode. I know. Look, he's trying his best. He has a very difficult job where he's got to try and put his foot down against Hammond, and Hammond's like, I don't take out orders from you, kiddo. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Paul is here, and he's in a meeting with Hammond. The Marines break into this briefing that he's having and tell Hammond about how they met Simtokra, that were able to tell them that SG-1 were taken prisoner by Hathor. And then we immediately cut to, like, in the briefing room, he's, like, showing Hammond this blueprint they have of Hathor's, um, Hathor's place. And before they actually showed us the blueprint, I was like, wait, they got actual fucking blueprints of her place? And then they showed the blueprint, and I'm like, oh, it's a kid's Happy Meal. Right? It looks like one of those little kid's meal map things with, like, little activities and everything. Yes! Like I was like, what is this? That's not a blueprint! I was like, what is this? Come on, guys. You're professionals. Uh, aside from being horridly convenient, the worst thing about this is this utterly proves my point about what I was saying last week, which was that I fucking despise cliffhangers. It's funny, I was going over that again with Eric today, actually. I was laughing because I was realizing, my, as much as I love SGU, they do it too because season two ends in a fucking cliffhanger. This franchise was obsessed with cliffhangers. Mm -hmm. But I hate them because their whole point is just to drag the audience back. And you know how you know that? Because the, the conclusion concludes the problem of this of the entire episode in like five fucking seconds with a poorly <laughs> drawn kid's approximation of a blueprint. This little scene that starts off with a really cool directed shot immediately goes into just like expositionville. Yeah. It sets up a cool new storyline, but one that just completely solves the problem from last week. You know, that thing that let Teal led to Teal having to leave because there was no hope of finding the team because it had been weeks and there was no sign and no way of getting any way of getting a sign. And then in five minutes, not only do they know where they are, <laughs> but they know every single thing about how to get to them and so on. 
Listen, while also conveniently before, leaving out every little detail that's gonna lead to the entirety of this episode. I mentioned an hour ago, this whole episode is convenience. Convenient timing. Yeah. God. Ellen, I love you, but you are a convenience troll oh, yeah. the entire episode. One thing I do have to tell you is I do not care for the new intro. No, it's kind of bo- It's boring. And it looks kind of cheesy when they freeze frame it at the end. Yeah. So I love this scene, this uh, next scene between Paul and Hammond because it just epitomizes. Like, I I made that joke before and I even posted it on our um, our podcast Twitter. The, the one meme that I had where the Hammond's like, I, I love all of my SG teams equally. And then in the next frame, he's like, I don't care for SG teams 2 through 13. <laughs> and it's it's literally uh, the next scene is you have Paul being like you cannot dedicate all of your resources of this command to finding one team and Ham's like no I can't because half of them are out in the field right now but the rest of them <laughs> I love just how much Hammond misses the point there <laughs> <laughs> no he didn't I mean... miss the point he was just like yeah I know it's a shame it's a shame <laughs> Yeah, that, there was no whistling noise. That that point just fell dead at his feet. It just it had it didn't stand a chance. He judo chopped that point to the ground. He was like, no. That being said, this sets up a really adorable scene with Hammond trying to not trying but setting up the uh, rescue mission. And he goes, oh, anybody who scene. wants to do it, yes. take one step. And he they can't don't even, even let him sentence. finish. It's yeah. so good. That's my Everybody next note. Yes. That is a cliche, but that is one that I never get tired of. No, that's one of the best cliches because it, it's, it's a perfect way to immediately portray that this community, this this uh, job, is a family. And it's so beautiful, and I love it. It's so, like... My note for that scene literally ends with, love it. Because it's just so good. There's no hesitation in any of their faces. Those who travel through wormholes together stay together. Absolutely. So they're, they're all like, okay, you know. And then I actually really love the camera transition here. Same note, same note. I, I love it. Martin Wood's a good director. So what he does is he like focuses on the back wall behind the gate. And then slowly it just fades into the back wall behind the fake gate in Hathor's compound. Love it. It's not quite a blended shot. No, I was just gonna say, it's a great way of taking advantage of that setting. Like, the yeah. fact that she mimics the gate room, it's like, why not? That's a perfect transition point. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that, you know? Right. It is, it's really good because it's not quite like a blended shot, like, which would be more seamless as if you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between until the camera panned back over. You wouldn't no, be able they tell want us changed. to know it's happening. Yeah, they want you to know. But it's still that layered effect that's close enough to a blended shot that it seems much more single take. And I just, I appreciate the fuck out of long single takes. I appreciate somebody who knows how to place a camera so you can take advantage of an entire space without mm-hmm. having to do chop, 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 choppy, chop, chop, chop. It's just, Absolutely. it's unnecessary. And this shot can do a cut, but it does it in a way that makes sense. Direct, dire- directorially wise. There we go. Now, I'm not kidding. I think it's really just an impressive little tiny thing. To, not even that tiny. I don't know what I constitute tiny until I'm speaking. <laughs> yeah. But this one, I don't think it's actually that tiny. I think this one's pretty, it's pretty big because it took effort. It took a lot of effort to do everything timing wise. Because even mm-hmm. before that, the shot is of, you know, everybody leaving through the gate, and I like the take because it, sh- it focuses on Hammond. 
yes, and wait where he's just, just staring. long enough mm-hmm. that all the actors can jump off the ramp and add a shot. Yeah. And then it pans over to the gate, holds there, does this little transition, and then pans back to a completely different group of people in it's that a same good room. Shot. Yeah. That's just well framed. That's well yes. done on mm-hmm. all of the levels there. It's it's I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's my next favorite to, to the single camera shot that does like a circle. Not like, you know, paranormal activity style. Not that that's bad, but I mean <laughs> more like this kind of thing where there's just a lot going on. Yeah. And so I'm talking kind of more like um, Atomic Blonde, that long t- take where the camera is just oh, kind of yeah, constantly man. moving. And as it as things come into, into the shot, you see what's happening. And then the lens moves away. And so you don't see what's happening until, you know, moves back into shot again. But that gives much more continuous movement feel, and it gives a lot... It just gives a different feel in, in general of the scene, and this mimics that just enough that this is why it's it's a very close second up to mm-hmm. up those... Yeah, up, yeah, up there to those blended shots. No, it's, it's so really good. Yeah, I loved it. So the directing is definitely not something I'm going to complain about in this no, episode. No. But we love... We like Martin Wood. Well, that's actually a lie. I'm, a, really... I'm actually going to complain about a lot of directing. I know it's because of the writing, but this is a choppy as fuck episode. So oh, yeah. It definitely does is. speak to some directing. I I mean, just a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. There, there, there's a lot happening, and so you have to do a lot of quick cuts. Right. But that's not entirely his fault, so I'm not really going to complain about the directing. Mostly because no. of all the effort he puts into other things. Absolutely. So uh, we cut into Hathor's fake gate room, and uh, it's a direct continuation of, of the end of the last episode where she, you know, pulled out the snake and was threatening them with it. And she's basically playing a game of eeny, meeny, miny, mo on who's going to take <laughs> the larva. And, of course, she doesn't wait any time to molest Daniel again. And I think Daniel... I gave her like a 14% in rape meter rapey meter last uh week i'm, I'm dialing that up to like a 60 because she yeah, dials yeah, yeah. that up immediately this week and i love how like well i don't love but you could see you could just see in the way that uh michael shanks is acting in the scene that daniel's just like casually disassociating right now just like nope i don't know what you're saying no one's touching my face nothing's happening i'm not here my bo- i don't have a face i'm not here oh man so what i love here is uh when <laughs> When she's holding the fake CGI snake um, near Jack, he says some stupid line about it has her eyes. And all yes! I could think was, you know, she goes, silence, right? And all I could think was, it has her eyes are real stupid words to die over, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> right. he, he'd be proud of that, though. You know he would. Oh, I know he would. But I also, there's a story. My, I, don't know how, I don't know if it was true, but my mother told me this story when I was a kid. When uh, the first time I ever went to Yellowstone national park and I'm, and i don't know if it's true because it probably was just her like embellishing on something else just to scare me to keep me from jumping into the geysers but she was telling me why we don't jump into geysers <laughs> and she was telling me the story of this guy who apparently his dog had jumped in so he immediately just instinctively jumped in after it to save the dog which didn't work and the guy died too and i said god i can't imagine what that must have you know felt like she's like well his skin was falling off so it didn't feel good and I remember going, Jesus, Mom, what would what would your last words even be? That was stupid. <laughs> and I, for years, believed that verbatim was, like, exactly what happened. I kept thinking, yeah, that would be my last words. <laughs> that kind of moment. But... Those are going to be your last words. <laughs> right. It's going to be something. <laughs> 
But, you know, I could just, yeah, you're right. No, D- Jack would definitely die over those words and be proud of it. But I still get the feeling from that story, kind of same feel of just, like, the last thoughts in his head are going to be, though, that was dumb. Sorry. Long story for a little thing, but it was funny yeah. as fuck to me. No, it was good. But yeah, so she, you know, harasses Daniel. He very much does not want to be in his own body. Uh, she, you know, lingers over Sam, and Sam is like, you know, I'm not afraid, you know, just like standing up for whatever. And then she eventually gets to Jack and she does like, you know, like is talking in like the we would blah 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 blah. And he he's talking back in the same we. <laughs> did did this show ever feel like explaining why Hathor is the only one that speaks in this plural nonsense? Um, the only thing I can think is that like so they all they all, you know, portray themselves as gods, but when they introduced her, she was specifically supposed to be, like, a mother queen god, because she's, like, one of the sources of gold larva. So I think yeah. it's just, I think it's just pushing, playing more on the queen aspect. Because, like, obviously they're all pretending to be gods, but she is a queen because of her placement yeah. in the gold and what she does. Yeah, so I think that's why she does we. Uh, but yeah, so she eventually decides that she's gonna uh, nort Jack. <laughs> I don't even know if you know what that means. I don't. That's why I'm just sitting here going, what? It's Kingdom Hearts terminology. <laughs> In Kingdom Hearts, there's the big bad guy, um, Xehanort, and he can do this thing where he can, like, sort of like evil possess people so it's become like colloquial known in people who like kingdom hearts that they'll say so and so got norted okay it's perfect <laughs> um but yeah so she decides that she's gonna she decides that she's gonna nort jack um and i do like i think this is a good scene for jack because like he obviously isn't happy about this decision but um he also immediately accepts it because he's like well, better me than anyone else on my team. And, okay, so this next scene is a little... This is definitely one of those failures of directing, uh, but I think it mostly comes down to having to deal with the giant CGI snake. Okay. So I'm going to say what I think was supposed to have happened in this scene, because it's kind of hard to tell exactly what they... the order of events they wanted you to see here. So I think what happened was... Hathor's like, okay, I'm gonna snake you. And she's bringing in the snake forward to, like, you know, snake him. Um, and I think what's happening is that Jack actually reaches for it to, like, try and kill it in his hands or something. Yeah, I don't really know what he was grabbing it for, but yeah, he was definitely grabbing it. And then, while it's in his hands and not in Hathor's, he suddenly gets shot by a zat off screen, which hits him and the snake, and the snake drops out of his hands and scurries away because it's not happy. Uh, and the camera pans over, and we see, oh, Ellen's the spy. But Hathor's an idiot, <laughs> and buys her very poor excuse of, he was going to harm the larva. <laughs> and she's like, well, you harmed it now, you idiot. Yeah, and that's, of course, you know, the moment where if you don't know, you're like, oh, maybe she's the spy, what? But, uh, then we cut from that to seeing the rescue team, the SGC rescue team on the move. We just, like, see them arrive on a planet, and they get, like, an energy reading. And so they're starting to head off in the direction they think there might be a base. It's not that the dialogue is dumb. Uh Uh-huh. It's just that I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was established last episode that it's been how many fucking weeks since they were taken. 
they now know this is a rescue mission because SG-1 was taken. Mm-hmm. Now, it is entirely plausible that SG-1 might have tried to break out in that time, so this dialogue isn't dumb. Mm-hmm. I just fucking hate it because it drives me crazy for some reason, even when in the face of logic, I just, ha. But they come through, and the guy, as they're, like, you know, moving off towards this, you know, Hathor base, he says, blah, 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 no chatter, no IFF or radio chatter from SG-1. And I went, yeah, no shit, they were prisoners. (laughs) And it's been how long, like, how long do batteries last on these things? There's an episode of SGA I actually really appreciate because, um, uh, what's his name, Shepard gets trapped somewhere and he has his you know walkie-talkie with him and he makes a conscious effort of acknowledging it in his dialogue he says okay this is my report check-in i'm now going to turn off my walkie-talkie to conserve battery mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not until sgu where it becomes much more of a uh, part of the survivor aspect <laughs> where they start actually talking about you know conserving bullets ammunition you know walkie-talkie battery that kind of stuff but yeah it, was just, it wasn't that it was dumb dialogue, it's just that it wasn't not dumb dialogue. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I doubt they'd be radio chatting right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a while. There's a multitude of reasons why they would not be chatting at this exact moment in time on the radio while you make your impromptu rescue mission. <laughs> This isn't even like a recon mission. This is a rescue. You know the situation. And okay, yeah, sorry. This dialogue annoys me. I focused way too hard on it. It just drove me crazy. But yeah, so we just get a brief moment with the team just to show that they're on the move. They're on the planet. They're on the right planet and heading in the right direction. So they'll be there eventually. This is the last shot of any of these people actually actively doing what they think they're doing and knowing what they're doing and not being embarrassed. Just... Honestly, these people spend the entire episode getting their respective asses um, handed to them. Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, the spy gave them, like, no information. The spy gave them a kid's meal, uh, play map. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Like, girl, if you could get a blueprint out, why the fuck couldn't you do more? Thus proving that maybe Davis had a point. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Davis usually has a point. Hammond didn't like his point in this episode, but Davis usually has a point. That's his job in this show, is to have a point. But yeah, so we go, now we go to Chulak, where Teal'c is is wandering around on his own, and he approaches some sort of, like, big temple kind of place. No, it's his, um, it's his, uh, wife's house, remember? Oh, is it? Yeah. But she ain't there. More to- Oh my god. Hang on. I thought I closed yeah. my door, but I did not. Now I have a dog in here. Now it's turn. Sorry, right. I'm an idiot. It's not Teal'c's house. It's not his wife's house. It's Braytac's house. Oh, okay. So I realized yeah, why Braytac was there. I just realized why Braytac was there. And why oh, that- Oh yeah, they, they do later on say Braytac's house. Yes. Yeah, it even says it, and then that bitch immediately knew what happened to Braytech, and I'm like, well, if Braytech was at someone else's house, then how necessarily would she already know? But if it was, like, a sanctioned attack attack on his house, that would totally track that she would know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was actually a pretty good moment of show, not tell, and then we just missed it. <laughs> Listen, I was watching it at five in, in, in the morning, so, like, I'm allowed to Okay, fine, it. you have an excuse. I don't. I was just watching it at ten in the morning, so it was fine. Yeah, so uh, he goes to Braytac's house and finds Braytac beat the fuck up. 
Um, and he says he was beat up by the last of Apophis's guards. Uh, and apparently the Jaffa fear that Chlorel will come back and claim his quote-unquote rightful place. <laughs> I know it's because of plot armor, but I don't care. I think it's pretty fucking fun and awesome that this old as shit dude still live. I live, bitch. It's still alive. It's the exact same thing. This guy was ganged up on by more than one. And not only did they not succeed, they didn't even succeed in the long term. He didn't. No. He, he was even left for dead and they didn't even succeed in that. He No. I mean, he says some melodramatic line. I don't think it's plot armor. I just and, think it's Braytac is unkillable. Right. <laughs> right. Plot point more than plot armor. But yeah, what kills me is he says, like, you know, grant a dying man's wish. And I'm like, dude, are you really dying? Because you didn't, they didn't even, like, really show anything first 80 looking that Tilk had to do for you to recover from this. So I think you're just being melodramatic. Right. So it tells me this guy barely even got his ass beat. Like, he did get his ass beat, you know what I mean? But, like, seriously, it's just really funny. This guy took that kind of beating from multiple guards and still held his own and lived. Listen, this episode is full of people with uh, with gold larvae acting melodramatic about their injuries. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about that yet until it happens. It's just, it's a preview. It's foreshadowing. I like how you know exactly what my face is saying, though, because my eyes got real angry. <laughs> just, Liz, oh no. Liz, that scene is the one where I'm like, I know Liz didn't like this scene. <laughs> I didn't either. Fucking dramatic. Okay. So, um, he, Teal'c, tells Braytac that he came here, um, basically to raise an army to rescue SG-1. Which is like, that's great now, Teal'c, you don't know where they are. Yeah, that was, uh, oddly convenient that everybody yeah. exactly Oh, yeah, yeah, this whole episode is convenient. <laughs> uh, so then we cut to Hathor's place. Like you said, there's a lot of cuts in this in this uh, episode. Yeah, they have I to know go... there's a lot going on, but it's just really and choppy. We're, and we're cutting between, like, three sets of people. And... Yeah. Yeah, so I've, I get I've it. I've said it before, yeah. I dislike it when they have A, B, and C storylines going. I just, I never, I never really like the inclusion of the C. Even if the C is, like, a bridge, it always yeah. just takes up more screen time, and therefore you get this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we're back at Hathor's place, and she's recovered her cold, and, uh, I was like, wow, Ellen, I don't know what you thought you were accomplishing shooting that thing for ten minutes. <laughs> what did you accomplish here? But, uh, she's got to go ten extra back. seconds. <laughs> right? For nothing. Oh, no. I don't know. No, I just, I just realized what it is. It's so that he'd have to be in this bio bedroom, so they'd leave him alone, so that way she could put him in the cryogenic process. I mean, he if he was, if he oh, was I guess just if on he got his own shot, they around. want to make sure. Yeah, he'd want to make sure okay. he's good. Okay. Okay, you know what? Fair. Fair. You know what? And she, she was in the nurse position, so I think she would know that, and she could probably be the person who insists that to make sure it takes safely, he has to be in here. Okay, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll take it. But yeah, so there's another great exchange of, of, uh, her using the we, where she goes, we are not pleased, and Jack's like, yeah, neither are we. Sorry, when you said using the we for a moment, I was like, wait, she pulled out <laughs> the a Wii, Wii like, what was she pulling was, like, what, Wii tennis or something? I was just like, when no, did that happen? Skyward Sword. She was trying to beat that stupid octopus monster. I don't like to talk about that fucking octopus monster. <laughs> Okay, so she tells Jack that once he's a host, he he will kill his friends. And Jack, continuing with the we talk, goes, 
We don't think so. Uh, so she implants him, and I think it's very telling of um, both Sam and Daniel in this scene, because as, as the snake is going into Jack, we actually cut over to Sam and Daniel to see their reactions, and Sam pointedly looks away like she can't watch. Daniel just stoically watches it happen. Daniel's reaction is... So first off, his reaction is terrifying. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. Uh, no, yeah. Second. Michael Shanks second, knows who his character is. What kills me is that crunching noise that they play, that crunching sound effect. Yeah. Needs to never happen around me ever again. Because <laughs> that was just deeply disturbing on, to me on a number of levels. Yeah. So once again, I remembered that I, so I actively watch TV on my TV through like uh-huh. one of one of my consoles every day. And yet, I always have been watching these fucking episodes on my laptop for some reason. <laughs> so I've gone back to using my TV like a normal adult. But then only, all that sent, because Eric is obsessed with his fucking sound system. He literally bought an iPhone. Or got an iPhone from like a friend. Just so that he could set up a specific component of the surround sound that's only oh compatible God. with Apple products. <laughs> The man who despises oh, Apple got an Apple product just to do this. So it's, yeah, it's great. What kills me is it set up the sound system enough that I got to hear that crunching noise in all of its glory right next to oh, my ears. God. And that was just, I was sitting on the couch just going, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I thought the grossest part was going to be my usual cringe as she reaches and pulls out a snake. It's always just great, pulling a snake out of the belly. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the usual cringe. But yeah, that crunching noise, mm. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I just, I, I liked it. I liked the uh, background shot. I think it did a good oh, job that was of a showing good reaction both their characters. Shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, SGC are here to save them now. And um, Ellen makes a point of waiting until Hathor leaves the room. And then immediately cryo-freezes Jack and is like, listen, this will kill the larva in you, um, but you gotta fight it until then. Okay, so here's the thing. If this was, in fact, a ruse to gain SG-1's trust and gain information from them as a result, why go through the actual process of freezing them? Why not just wake them up in a bio bed and said that you woke them up from a freezing process? I don't know. What kills me double time on this. (laughs) Right, she is fucking extra. What really, really, really spectacularly proves my point here is if you didn't have this unnecessary as fuck cryogenic system, you wouldn't have had two go-old deaths in this episode. Right? But you get yeah. two as a result of this liquid nitrogen shit. And also, I like how this introduces a concept, which is that you can apparently can freeze out a go-old, which if that's true, then you can build a rudimentary system. I'm sure it would have a, you know, a semi-whatever fatality rate, but still better than being possessed. <laughs> yeah, I feel absolutely, like a lot of people man. still sign off on that. Like, I would just put that in my contract with the Air Force. Like, yeah, no, I sign off now that you have the, you have the right to try to freeze this thing out of me. And if I die as a backup to that, whatever. Yeah, like they, you know, like there's been like avalanche people, people caught in avalanches who. Yeah. We're frozen for so long, and they're technically dead for how long, and they've been revived. I'm not saying they aren't with deficits. I don't know. I've never followed all these stories. I'm not I'm not quoting, like, 100% facts here. I have an approximate knowledge as usual. There we go. But, yeah, my approximate knowledge uh, here pertains to the fact that, technically, this is a thing you could do based on what this episode sets up. And it's based entirely on a cryogenic system that doesn't need to be there! (laughs) 
Yeah. No, it's, and it's I don't wild. remember the show ever really coming back to this freezing thing, so it's kind of annoying no. to me. Yeah, no, it's it's entirely a plot device for this moment right here. Yeah, it's, like, it's an annoying MacGuffin, honestly. they want MacGuffin, everyone honestly. to be worried about Jack Is being snaked, but they don't want it to be an actual problem down the line, so they have to solve it immediately. Yeah. I, I don't know if this qualifies as, as a MacGuffin. If it does, it's a shitty one. <laughs> I don't like it. So yeah, so she freezes him to kill the snake in him. Uh, we get a firefight in the hallways... Uh, make peace. Oh, sorry, real quick. Yeah. She freezes her, him to get it out of him, right? She tells well, him... kill it in him. Right, right, yeah. But she tells him, but until then you must fight it. What I cannot stand about that is, you're sending him to sleep. How is he gonna fight it? He's gonna be unconscious. It's cryogenic suspension. The only thing I can think is that if, um, if he didn't, like, basically, maybe he didn't go to sleep immediately. So, like, so in the 15 if, seconds from the immediate time, you have to make sure you fight it. Yeah, because, like, if it took over very quickly, then maybe it could fight its way out of the cryo chamber. I don't know. I, I'm sure, sure. I just, just now thought of it as a point. I was yeah. like, wait. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, you're putting him in a freezer, but I guess it's just to make sure he doesn't fight his way out. But yeah, sorry, so go ahead and say your thing. I'll take it. But yeah, so then we get a firefight in the hallways while the rescue team are trying to get everyone out. And uh, Makepeace took one look around and went, oh, Jack's not here. I guess I'm going to make the Wizard of Oz jokes. So when they get to the fake gate room, he looks around and goes, huh, just like home. <laughs> and it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel the same. No, it doesn't have the same nice, ring nice. to it. He's not Jack. <laughs> that was, um, one producer was really quickly having a little test shot where he goes, okay, if Richard Dean Anderson gets too expensive, does this guy work <laughs> Let's as Let's try this in? guy. And they're like, nope, nope, we just nope. gotta pay Richard Dean nope. Anderson. We just gotta nope. do it. Looks like part of his salary is, in fact, for his charisma. Okay, good to know. All right, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, there was, a, there was a good part earlier when she was deciding that Jack was gonna be the host, where he's like, really? Gray doesn't put you off? <laughs> I got dirty-minded when he said that. I was like, no, no, in fact, it only enhances the view. <laughs> Soon it'll be silver, it'll be even better, sir. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, so he, he's just not Jack. So they get, um, they get away enough to, like, not be in immediate danger. And Sam tells Makepeace that Jack is a host now. And this is the first thing I, like, I took a picture of my computer screen and sent yeah. it to you. Because I'm like, Daniel's face when Sam tells Makepeace that Jack is a host now sends me. I don't even know what his face is saying it's just it's amazing <laughs> that's the look of somebody who just watched his backup husband get taken as a host he's like first my wife now my husband what the fuck <laughs> that's daniel's whole storyline is he literally loses everybody that he loves so yeah. that's just him reacting to losing his best friend <laughs> that's his face being like yep another thursday Yep. Love it. <laughs> yep. And it's, you know, to this thing that's been plaguing him for a couple of years now. This monster, yep. in the the monster in his closet that's actively taking members of his family on a regular basis. But yeah, no, just that moment. I Like I said, I took a picture of that. Like, I was watching it at like 5 a.m. And I took a picture of that and texted it to you. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. His face yeah. was so good. Um, so Ellen obviously gets caught saving Jack, and I actually like this, so, like, it's, it's a, it's another cliche sort of thing, but, like, it's a, it's a fun cliche of directing, where you've got the camera directly on Ellen, and she's watching him disappear into the cryo, 
and then the camera goes back just a little bit further, and suddenly Hathor's standing behind her. <laughs> sudden Hathor is sudden. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a camera cliche, but it's a good one. I love it every time it's done well, and Martin Wood did it well here. He did it well with the framing. Martin Wood knows how to frame shots. He might have had to struggle a bit with, like, how choppy things were in this episode with how much stuff had to happen, but he's very good at framing shots, and I think yeah. he did a good job with this one. But she's uh, obviously not happy. <laughs> what was your first clue? Was yeah, it her attacking the Tok'ra? Yeah, and maybe. Her throwing Ellen across the room, and then immediately assuming that one toss was enough to kill her? So, um, the team watching the Stargate get ambushed, um, and you can definitely see and hear teleport rings activate while they're talking to Makepeace. Yeah. <laughs> was this, like, the episode that this was the show going, dude, man, not only did we get renewed, but our CGI budget has Had doubled. To Had to be. Because they do the rings so many times, and then they have they those do the rings, the guns. towers. Yeah, yeah, they had a bunch. They had the, the new gate ship thing that was... So painfully, I can't believe I never noticed how much the puddle jumpers in SGA were clearly based on these ships as like a model. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like this was this was like their their stepping stone. Not that's a bad thing. It's just a that's great. It's them yeah. building on something they yeah, already exactly. had. But instead of like uh, creating something whole cloth new again, right? But I was like, dude, it's like this. Oh, okay. I can see like I can even see like the core animations they ended yeah. up using in this ship. So it was pretty funny. But yeah, I um it was a very CGI heavy episode. It oh, wasn't yeah. all bad. It wasn't all bad. It mostly you know, the more lively, the more alive it has to be, the worse off you are. Yeah, so, so the, the snake, snake was the worst. Sucks. Yeah. But the rest isn't terrible. No, it's not bad. They've been doing well with the teleport rings for a while now. So Yeah, especially since this one is so distinct different things CGI heavy. Yeah, absolutely. You'd think there'd be more shittiness, but honestly it wasn't that no. bad. So uh basically they don't know exactly what's happened. He's lost contact with the team at the gate. But it ultimately means that Make Peace isn't willing to stick around and try and find Jack and possibly somehow figure out some way to <laughs> save him from the snake. He's like, no, our way out is gone. If I don't have a way out for us that's it, you know? So, like, I have to focus on the more important thing, which is fair. He's much more pragmatic, and he's much yeah. more follow the rules. Follow, like, the... the, the well, the, he's the rescue The team. common sense rules. Yeah, the common sense rules of rescue is are, sorry, save as many as you can, and, and make don't sure be stupid you've got a secure it. exit. Yeah, yeah, don't be stupid about it. So yeah. if you have a secure exit, and you have five out of six, or three out of four, you fucking take them, yeah, and mm-hmm. you go. You don't chance it on this no. 75% for the maybe 100%. That's kind of unlikely since you, this whole show is based on the premise of people being taken as hosts and then they're kind of gone. Yeah, no, so, Makepeace is entirely in the right yeah. in his decision here. I love the different people who pop in for this episode because they're all right while all of our core people are trying to do the stupid thing. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> it's it a is. fun little infusion. It's not just actually fun. It's actually like good writing fun, right? It's yeah. like, oh, nice. Mixing it up. Our yeah, good Paul guys aren't being doing... bad. They aren't being stupid, but they aren't mm-hmm. being smart. <laughs> Paul is doing the right thing. Makepeace is yeah. doing the right thing. Like, Walter's they're... back. I mean, yeah. all is right in the land of Ooh, man. Absolutely. So, um, then we go back to Chulak, and Teal'c 
my note here says, Tilk talks religion and insurrection with fellow Chulakians, and then tells them to let everyone know Tilk is back in town, motherfucker. Okay, I got two things to point out here about Chulak. One vaguely annoying thing about Chulak is the faraway shots. I don't think they thought this through, because there are some very... I'm about to say something that sounds kind of oxymoronic, but very vaguely <laughs> Roman column aesthetic-y looking. Um, there's a lot of Roman, a vague Roman aesthetic going on in Chulak, including but not limited to what looks like a couple of uh, Grecian robes. Robes, I mean, sorry, robes. Yeah. <laughs> Grecian robes. Grecian robes on a couple of people. So that's one thing, because Chulak is based more on the movie, which was more Egyptian, so it makes more sense to me that Chulak would be a little more Egyptian. That, that could just be my assumption, so this one's a light, this one's a light criticism. Well, wasn't it? Because if it was going to be more the Roman, gods, they should have done more up to up till now, I think, to set that up. Wasn't in Children of the Gods, wasn't the room that they were taken into by the, uh, the acolytes because they were assumed to be some forms of gods or whatever just came through the gate? Wasn't that more of a Grecan Roman style? It was, I thought, more medieval English. So when we, I know we've talked no, more about I the cross pollination thing. I think that, no, I think the, um, the prisoner location was medieval. But I, before they got taken captive, they were taken to, like, a dining room. And I feel oh, like sorry. that was more Greek and Roman. Sorry. Maybe. I thought that was Broken Divide. I might be confused now with where scenes are. I can't remember anymore. Um, no, there was also a dining it. room scene in Broken Divide. But okay. they it's um they got taken in because they came through the Chapa Eye. Right. So the acolytes assumed they were gods. Right, the okay, gods that's right. That's right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm coming together now. Yeah, no, you're right. No, they're, yeah, so they're, they're, there could have just been a lot more other cultural shit going on there. All I know is I just, I didn't really get that column vibe. And I could just be forgetting details like I was up until literally just now. So <laughs> I only know is that uh, the aesthetic just kind of weirded me out. But I was like, oh, I guess I just kind of assumed there'd be more of a different feel there. But that uh-huh. could just be based on literally nothing. So I'm cool yeah. with that. And know. we'll move on happily. Big, th- but here's the one that can't be wiped away, thankfully. Yeah. This one's a really valid complaint, I think. So I know I brought this up, which was I thought it was really weird that Teal kind of everybody seemed to be under the assumption that upon the death of Apophis. That was or just gonna be gonna it. Show well, oh, no, no that, that. that people just kind of assumed that there were just gonna not be any issues with this power vacuum, and I was kind of like, "Why would you think that? <laughs> that seems really weird." And that's what kind of kills me here too is the people at Chulak also seem to think that's a little fucking weird because <laughs> there's people going, "Yeah, no, I mean, you killed a god. Okay, first off, let's say you're right. Cool. Um, there's other gods." Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's that going for it, for me here on that point. Yeah. But what really kills, not what really kills me, but, but what I'm getting to here is, where did I write it down? <laughs> here we go. When he was, um, you know, the first time, the first shots of him in Chulak when he's, you know, finding Braytac, they mentioned how these people are waiting basically for Chlorel to probably come in. You know, that guy we haven't talked about for, in forever. <laughs> he's probably going to show up and take over, and they're afraid. And fucking Tilk and Braytag call them cowards for it. And they repeat it for these later scenes coming mm-hmm. up, too. And I lost my fucking mind on that. Because I'm like, how in the fuck are they cowards when this is literally all they've ever known? And what they're fearing is what's probably a generally accepted fact in life for mm-hmm. them, which is, as I said, the other gods. <laughs> what, they're just gonna let not just a 
a regular old resource planet go, but what was once the capital of a different god. Like, that's just, that's literally a trophy for other people. That's what conquering tales are all about. It's either a woman or a city. <laughs> or both. <laughs> As in Hell of Troy. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> you know, it's that kind of stuff. But seriously, it, it makes no sense to me that people were like, oh yeah, cool, Apophis is dead, Trulok is free. And I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, that's an interesting take on that. And this episode kind of proves that I'm not alone in that thought because everybody mm -hmm. who lives on Chulak is like, yeah, there's other people, though. Like, See, I would say I appreciate that because the episode didn't forget that there are other people and that, you know, other people. Yeah. It's kind of, it's in the same theme of, like, Paul is in the right in this episode. Uh, yeah. Make pieces in the right in this episode. In yeah. a way... These people on Shulak are in the right. It's like, yeah, obviously Chlorel's still an issue, and we don't want to fucking die, dude. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to throw our lives away. And also, by the way, our culture is heavily predicated on uh, not just punishing you, but punishing everyone around you. So mm -hmm. we're not just throwing our lives away. We're throwing our family's lives away on this idea you have, which is, frankly, kind of crazy. Because up until now, we were under the impression that these people were gods. Mm -hmm. Also, we carry these gods in us and depend on them. Yep. So, so, so I'm just gonna stay here with with what I know. No, um. So I'm gonna cut ahead a little bit here, just because I think it's it's pertinent to this conversation right now. What I think is so funny about like his impassioned speech and like calling them cowards and all that shit is that he's talking to them like he's trying to, you know, rile them up for their own good. Whereas he told Braytac he came here to get an army to save a bunch of humans that he knows. <laughs> and he's not telling any of these people that when he's giving his speech. I guess it could technically be said. I forgot the cat was in here just now and saw that movement in the corner of my eyes scared the fucking shit out of me. Holy God. Anyway, uh, like, I know it could be said that he needs SG-1 back because SG-1 is, like, the driving force for freedom mm -hmm. right now. Like, they're the best allies that Jaffa can have. And that's He's not, not even really that... And Yeah, exactly. It's not, that's not even really that unsaid. It's been kind of established a few times up until now that this is a yeah. belief of Teal. Because that's kind of why he left. Uh-huh. <laughs> the point I'm getting to here is, yeah, that is obviously still on the table as an explanation for why he's doing this but you're fucking right he leaves that out very yep. conveniently like my favorite thing about this is the off-screen shit that must have happened them cowards right but like, can you imagine how awkward that conversation was off-screen where it's like who's with me gets a couple volunteers okay now, so here's the plan. We're not actually going after a god. We're actually going to avoid one at all costs. We're actually going to go help these other guys. <laughs> they're the ones who kill the gods, so they're good. <laughs> but, yeah, that's our mighty mission. On behalf of Chulak, we're gonna go rescue some, some earthlings. I love that conversation idea. I need that conversation to be real. I hope so, God. But since um, that passion speech, I, I shit you the fuck not. Everything, there's a good section where, like, for like two or three sentences in a row, every single thing that, that Teal'c says, it stops sounding like Teal'c, and it sounds exactly like Kratos in God of War, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, so this is really just his audition tape. Maybe he just sent this scene in. So then we get back, we go back to the, um, no longer rescue team, the escape team. 
<laughs> on Hathor's planet. God, um, yeah, because that rescue goes tragically south. <laughs> yes, as Jack calls out later. But they get to the gate, and nobody's at the gate, and as they're trying to approach the gate, they run into an invisible shield. Uh, and then the old guy um, pops out of some rings and stands all smug behind the barrier before sicking Jaffa with turret guns on SGC. Go for it. I just had to say this really fast. Mel, do you know why I'm so excited to see their force shields? Do you know what you know? Do you know why I'm so excited to see their force shields? Why? Because the force shields means this is the eventual storyline that's going to happen where they get those special powers. Oh yeah, upgrade. Upgrade. I remember upgrade. This little element leads to upgrade, which then leads to an episode that focuses on the unseen events in upgrade. That make my shipper heart soar like a goddamn eagle. Liz, there is a moment in the scene where in my notes I'm like, ah, Liz's shipper heart is going crazy right now. Oh, oh yeah. But yeah, so, um, I also like it because it's just, it's, it's an upgrade from Apophis's personal shield. Yeah, so it's I like just, it a concept. Yeah, I, I think it's great that they took something that he was just using on himself. And expanded it. That makes sense. That's natural. It's a natural progression. Um, so they're all getting shot at by, um, Jaffa and these tower turret guns. Uh, and thankfully they've got Stormtrooper aim, but, uh, one of them does hit Daniel when he trips over, I don't know, his shoelaces or something. (laughs) And Sam has to save him. Yeah, this is probably the moment I wrote down, well, this rescue sucked ass. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, so as they're retreating, Makepeace finds a little escape tunnel and it gets everyone under there, and they discover that it's one of those Tok'ra crystal caves. In all the places that bitch could have built her fucking cave. Of course her bat cave just happens to be right here, and happens to be close enough to the surface that it happens to be blown open enough that they can happen upon it and happen to find a big enough hole that they can happen into a chamber that then happens to be connected to enough other chambers that they can get away. Fuck this. <laughs> it's an episode of convenience. I told you from the beginning. Okay, cool. So this is just the part where the writers gave up. Got yeah, it. Yeah, because they were they had like 15 minutes left and had so much they had to get done. Uh, but yeah, so he, he finds the little gate. They go in. It's Toker Crystal Caves. And they're all like trying to regroup and everything. And, uh, this is the moment, um, so they're checking I on Daniel. Line. They're like, da- yeah, yeah, yeah. no, let me say it, because I wrote it down word for word. So they're asking Daniel how he is, and this is the moment where I'm like, yeah, he is being a in this episode, because his response is, he goes, oh, it's just a deep bleeding gash, but it'll be fine. <laughs> With that, you know, that, that typical Daniel, like, dismissive anger in his voice where he sounds angry but uncaring at the same time so the moment that actually made me make the joke that i cut out of the episode i know (laughs) it's it's definitely this moment it's definitely this scene i mean in the caves but it wasn't distinctly that moment for me i mean that was a great line i did also write it down because it's hysterical as fuck yes it is what kills me is what got me after that, which was when they hand him a gun, and he once again yes! regards a gun the way that Daniel always <laughs> regards guns. And that's when I wrote down that he's a 
That is the second picture I sent you in a text. Uh, in a text. So I sent you the face you made when Makepeace learns that Jack is in the gold now. And then I sent you, uh, and each time, like, I watched it on the screen, and then I was like, wait a second, and I had to rewind and get to that scene and pause it just because I was like, I fucking have to. Because, like, so they basically decide, let me get to the, what sets this up. We actually briefly go to Hathor talking to the old man Jaffa um, and telling him to take the humans alive so that they could be made into Jaffa slaves. Then we go back into the tunnels and, um, oh wait, oh yeah, yeah, the, the gun thing doesn't happen for a little bit. That's why I was like, wait a second. Yeah, sorry, it's just, it's still in the, it's still in the tunnels. I, I tend to blend the things together, but yeah. Yeah, but we go into the tunnels and they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe we can go under to get to where we need to through these tunnels not, not is, a dumb uh, idea yeah no except that they run into another barrier <laughs> and they're like oh, additional shit. barrier yeah they're like well, i don't i don't know what to do here then we cut back to sgc briefly this is again we said there's a lot of cuts <laughs> um yeah. uh, we go back to sgc and we find out that the rescue team are five hours overdue so hammond decides to dial through and try and get a hold of everyone I like how a rescue mission, a rescue mission, is given five hours to be overdue before they say something. Like, I would have given it two, Max. <laughs> it's a rescue mission. Yeah. So, they dial through, and I actually really like this because it's it's one of those, like, show-not-tell scenes where it's, like, showing the difference in the culture and the, the tech and the mind of how to use the tech and everything. Because, like, the gold might be more advanced than than us but they're not used to our particular methods and our particular tech so when the gate dials through they all like get their weapons ready to like fire on someone and then nobody comes through and they're just kind of like looking like what's going on <laughs> because it's, they only dialed through so they could send a radio signal and while while the Jafal at the gate are like waiting for someone to come through the gate SGC is talking with Makepeace in the tunnels right underneath them. I just really love it. <laughs> no, I, I also enjoy it, too, because I was thinking uh, something similar at the time, just kind of like, oh, isn't it nice that these texts do not line up at all? Yeah, it's good. I love it. It's really great, because they're just not expecting this to be a way that they would be using this. What continues this theme of, like, the, the text just not crossing over is that, like, after Hammond gets an update from Makepeace about what's going on, Hammond's like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll send you reinforcements in the six hours. Get ready for that and everything. Um, but just to, like, confirm visually for himself what's going on at the gate, he tells them to, like, move the mouth camera a little bit to get a look at anything. And you, you cut to, like, you're seeing Hammond's view shift a little bit as the camera moves as he starts to see the Jaffa waiting at the gate. And then we cut to the Jaffa waiting at the gate, and you just see them continuing to stare at the gate like, what's gonna happen? And then you see the looter guy, like, cone in um, on the, the mouth. <laughs> and then you see him watch as the camera moves a little bit, and that's when he finally understands what's happening and shoots the mouth. You know what doesn't help is the accompanying... I can never say that word right. The accompanying beep that goes yeah. with the camera. It's like, okay, maybe in the future you should take that feature out. Maybe they will. But I just, I thought it was great. I thought it was a very subtle little comedic thing. Just... <laughs> no, I agree. You're not wrong. I liked it. Um, 
So, <laughs> my explicit note for that was dial through and Jaffa crew hold a gun on a phone call. <laughs> uh, imagine that bill. That's a, that's a long distance bill right there. Yes, it is. Um, so, at this point, after Hammond promised reinforcements, Paul puts his foot down. He's like, no, you are not sending through more people. You've already lost all of them. What are you talking about? The president himself has said no. <laughs> and I love that eventually Hammond's like, all right, fine. But like you could see in his face, he's, he's not dropping this. <laughs> no, but I, I enjoy how not wrong he is. Exactly. No, but I like I, I told you um at after I finished watching this episode, I'm like, everyone's faces are at two hundred percent this entire episode. And it's like everyone just knows who their character is because it's season three. So like they don't even need dialogue to easily communicate. Hammond says, I'll drop it. His face says, I ain't dropping it. <laughs> no, I mean my my note was something similar, which is like, okay. <laughs> Show a hands who believes him here. <laughs> right? I love it. I think it's so good. <laughs> so we go back to the team under the tunnels and Sam starts to do a little bit of science corner talk. And she basically says that she thinks the barrier in the tunnel is being powered by some sort of generator inside the base. And it would have to be pretty big. And she's like, and she basically decides that she has to go in alone to shut it down. Because she, she's like, I can go in and shut it down and make pieces like, you know, oh, I should send some people with you. And she's like, no, no, it's going to be easier to, you know, have one person go in and you have to be ready for the reinforcements, that side of things. Like, no, it needs to be a one person thing. Because, <laughs> like, also Daniel, like, offers to go with her. and She's like, with that leg? No. <laughs> and it's at, this is the scene where Makepeace hands Daniel a gun. And Daniel takes it by the barrel and just looks at it in the most displeased cat face I've ever seen. Like, he does the bitchiest flop I've ever seen. I love him. I love his bleeding leg for it. I love every bit of it. Yes. And then he gets a gun and he just does the usual thing of like, oh, this this also isn't sunscreen. that I had to pause the screen and take a picture of it and text it to you. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the moment I went, sorry, all I could see is like a f***er in his hand and him just going like, I guess this will do. <laughs> God. So they're, they may basically make a plan that um, they're going to time everything uh, so that Sam will blow the generator right before the reinforcements are due to arrive. Then... That should also take care of the turret gun powers as well. Because the, the turret guns have to be powered by... She just she realized that the turret guns were probably powered by whatever was powering the gates. The barriers. Which is a jump and assumption to make there. Okay, it's not that it doesn't make sense that they could share a power grid. I just... I, ob I object to the concept of somebody laying out this power grid like that. Because that's fucking dumb. Well, Hathor's fucking dumb. I mean, they're both technically defense mechanics. Yeah, but this is like, this is near, this is nearly Death Star levels of stupid. Like, where you can no, just take one thing you. out, and it takes out everything else. I just, we see Hathor do some really dumb things in this episode, so I'd buy it. Yeah, she needs to hire a new contractor. 
Right. Uh, so we go to Sam breaking back into the base, and uh, I love the blue filter over the camera, so it looks like it's being shot in the dark. Oh uh, yeah, I we're not gonna talk about that. That's that. <laughs> the lighting in this episode bugged me, not just for the filter, but also for the other thing I've been whining about this whole time, which is this fucking spotlight that once it comes up, I'm gonna be annoyed about it all over again. But it's like, I'm sorry, the one floodlight that's just on her face while she's so tragically, perfectly posed in between two other people for the perfect framing moment. It was, it was a little heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go to Chulak, uh, where Braytac basically, like, uh, hype mans Tilt before Tilt comes out to give his, his speech where he calls everyone cowards. <laughs> this is where I started to get kind of bitchy. I was like, do all Jaffa houses come with built-in lecterns? Uh, if you're Braytech, yes. <laughs> yeah, and then, then, yeah, this is where Teal'c makes his, uh, his impassioned plea to play Kratos in 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> we already, we already talked about this scene, so I think we're good. Um, but I do, one line that I do actually like that ends this, uh, speech is he goes, this is our time, it will not come again. Better than Braveheart. It's a good line. It's basically like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If you guys are too afraid to act on it, we might not get this chance again. It's good. I like it. Uh, and what I actually think is a nice contrast is, so after his speech, he's like, so who will, who will stay, with, stay with me? And most of the room empties out. <laughs> most everyone's like, nope. It's like a direct contrast to the scene at SGC where he's like, I'm asking for volunteers. <laughs> everyone step forward in this one everyone's like nope but you see like a couple of guys in armor who were definitely like old buddies of Teal's before he left um and you see a couple people in the back wearing uh hoods and I immediately as one one in particular in the very back step forward I'm like that looks like Hammond <laughs> and then 10 seconds later he steps forward and it's Hammond I'm like oh okay yeah that makes sense but there's another great moment of, so he, so Hammond steps forward, pulls his hood down, and Teal's like, oh, you know, like, what the heck, dude? But I do, there's another great moment of Braytac being really pleased to see him, and another great moment of Hammond, and he pauses and then d gestures over his head again and goes, of Texas. Every time this happens, all I can do is scream at the screen, there is an actual bald man next to you as well and i like how i know that that's because he didn't know what that meant and that's it's all part of the thing but it just yeah. it fucking kills me that he does it because no one's explained to him that it means bald and how it's really fucking ironic that he does that yeah. for, for hammond when teal'c is right next to him bald <laughs> as all it. hell it's great it's, just, it's, it's so adorable. good i'm not complaining about it i love yeah, it i think it's, it's, it's delightful it's very and i like how point. he's so happy to see hammond too this is this is a callback to um, the literally a season ago, um, the end of episode one of season two, where like we were talking about how much we love just the genuine respect between Braytac and Hammond for two old seasoned warriors who are oh, just yeah. they respect each other and we see that again here like Braytac's happy to see Hammond here you know. And Hammond starts to, like, tell Teal'c what's going on. And then we cut away from that scene. 
Um, then we go to uh, the cryo room. Sam has just come in. <laughs> and this is where my note's like, so, Hathor not only didn't kill Ellen, yeah. but also didn't pull Jack out of cryo. Is she, like, tech illiterate or something? <laughs> so I feel like, I think it's a combination of that, and I don't necessarily know if she actually, I don't, I've, I haven't, oh. Did you have a sudden realization? Kind of. It's, 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 it's dumb. You want to know what it is? I watched what? the episode at 10 o'clock today in the morning. It is now 5.53 p.m. We have been talking for two and a half hours-ish. Yeah, but an hour of it was us talking yes. not about this yes, show. Yes, the point <laughs> is, we have still been talking about stuff in general, and it has not occurred to me until right now to look up the trivia. <laughs> Amazing! What's this thing called again? Um, I don't remember. In the Line of Fire or something like that? No. Into the Fire? Was that right? Yes, you are correct. Thank you. Yay! All right, Second one try. moment. One moment. One moment. Huh. Okay, good news is tro the trivia does help me on one thing. I guess I I am just completely off base with any assumptions that uh, Chulak was supposed to be like all uh, Egyptian. For example, a piece of trivia. Braytax weapon, sword, is called... It looks like it's an exact copy of an ancient Greek weapon called a copus, if I'm saying it right. It was favored oh. by cavalry about 2,500 years ago. So that's another okay, Greek thing. cool. So. Shut me up. <laughs> now, down to here on the other trivia page I use. Sorry, one second. Yep. Haha, <laughs> needle threader looks just like the puzzle chompers. Thank you for noticing the same thing I did. Thank nice. you very much. I didn't catch the Monty Python sketch thing. That's cute. Which one? Where? She's gone. She is no more. She's an ex-goddess. <gasps> oh my god, Well, yes! let's face it. She's a former queen. Yeah, oh that, my that god, right I can't head. believe I didn't. Okay. The goofs here are kind of funny. Well, it's funny to me. Uh, when the SG teams are firing at the Jaffa behind the force field, the fluctuations where the bullets hit are clearly visible. The bullets strike at various points all across the force field, many of them nowhere near the target. <laughs> also, at one point, one of the SG soldiers fires their automatic weapon at a 45-degree angle right in front of the camera. The angle is so close to the gate, the bullets would actually fly right over the gate, well over the heads of anyone in front of it. Oh my god. Clearly just a direct kind of shot, a director's shot. <laughs> yeah. Teal claims that he witnessed Apophis' final breath in Serpent Song. However, he was in the Stargate operations room at the moment of Apophis' death. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and then when the needle threader arrives through the Stargate, its left wing should hit the mouth's arm, and it doesn't. Because <laughs> CGI is amazing. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, okay, so, um, back to what we were just talking about. About how Hathor all, not only did not kill Ellen... But also just left Jack in the cryo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only she might be a little tech illiterate and everything, it might just be that no, the trivia doesn't do it for me either. I don't know what they say to each other in their language. Yeah, we don't. It, she could be saying, bitch, what are you doing? And she's like, bitch, I ate your servant. I'm fucking Tokra. And then uh, she goes, bitch, die. It could just be that. That's fine. I'm down with it. If it is that, it would explain something, maybe. It may just be that she's also a fucking idiot and has no idea where Jack is. <laughs> yeah, maybe. If it's that, that explains it perfectly. If it's not, it's some other combination of things where, for some reason, she's illiterate enough that she does know where he is because she was able to, you know, either get it from that conversation or, you know, glean it from process of elimination <laughs> where he was, but still couldn't get him out anyway. That one's less logical, but also funnier, so... <laughs> I like that one, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe more logical from a different perspective. So I'm here for that one as well. 
all I would have taken is Ellen. So basically, I said this note because Sam gets into the cryo room and Ellen is still alive and tells Sam that Jack's in the cryo and he should be fine now because she put him in there to, you know, kill the snake. And that's how Sam realizes, oh, you're the spy. But all it would have taken is 10 seconds of Ellen saying, I put a lock on the code to pull him out. This is what it is. Something to, like, give some indication yeah. that, like, Hathor couldn't have figured out how to pull him out. But instead, yeah, actually, Hathor wait, just no. attacked no, no, her something. and then walked away. No, because that's actually, that is right, because she did just walk away, because it doesn't matter if she's tech literate or not. I mean, okay, she'd have to be beyond illiterate, because there's later dialogue where Ellen, because Ellen, of course, just keeps fading in and out of consciousness at yes. exactly <laughs> the right fucking time, which drives me she utterly She keeps dramatically insane. dying and then coming back. Oh my god. Uh, I, I was, mm, I, I hit that microphone. I was so mad. I'm so, I, oh, that was so bad. That was, that was awful. But she has an amount of dialogue during her, one of her moments of convenience exposition. God damn it, I hit the microphone again. <laughs> She has a moment where she says the controls are set. So she already had it ready to go. Literally, all Hathor had to do was press the button. <laughs> Hathor's an idiot, man. So yeah, she just must be a fucking idiot. But yeah, so the button was there and ready to go, and yet she didn't do it. So either she really had no idea where Jack was, thought he escaped or something. Uh, it could just be that. Maybe she thought this chick was just fucking around with the thing for some reason. And asked her, asked her, hey, where's the prisoner? And she said, hey, fuck you. Uh, who knows? I don't think that, I think it has to be that she's tech illiterate. Because literally, as soon as Sam gets Jack out of the cryo pit, Hathor does the sudden appear behind her again. Yeah! <laughs> like she did for Ellen. So she's just been lurking around this room trying to get someone to turn the tech on for okay. her. So you brought up the boys er earlier. Um, regardless of whether or not I left that in, I'm bringing up season two for this because it's, it's it's too bad you don't want to watch it because it is funny as shit for some things well it, not funny but it, it, there's okay it has funny moments but this isn't why it's funny it's other stuff about it that's funny uh-huh there's a character she appears exactly when you need her like four <laughs> times in a row in season two and there's only like nine episodes in the season so it's pretty <laughs> impressive but everyone kept pointing out that she just, like, literally, her superpower is that she just conveniently appears exactly when you need her. And she just, she's not one of the supers who can fly. She's, like, a Wonder Woman type. So she can, like, uh -huh. jump, I guess, or something. But she always just... It's, a, it's some great moments. And one of them is actually terrific. It kind of beats Marvel's woman scene. Female Avengers scene. Yeah. It actually beats it. It's called The Girls Get It Done scene. You should look it up on YouTube. It's actually pretty funny. Funny. I fucking love it. It's better in context, but it's it's still hysterical as a, as a clip. But yeah, what killed me about it was I hadn't really noticed it until I started reading comments about the season as a whole afterwards, and somebody brought it up that that's like her superpower. <laughs> so all I can think here is that it's kind of like that. Hathor's secret superpower is that she can just appear behind <laughs> you. Because it's just, it's just like the Maeve character yeah. from Boys, where every time you need her, it's sudden Maeve. And it's just the camera just pans behind, all of a sudden, Maeve. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Hathor. Except we don't need Hathor. We would like yeah, her to no, leave. we need Hathor to go now. Which is great because, uh, so basically she starts to attack Sam, um, and, you know, hand devices her and everything. And Jack was, was, uh, pulled out just long enough that he got up on his own and pitches Hathor into the cryo pit. You know, it's probably like a metaphor for her being like a frigid bitch. Sure. Why not? 
It's like the one time I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she's gone now. We don't have to deal with her anymore. Thank and then, Christ. And then my next note is, and there's the hug for Lissa's little shipper heart. I know it's because he's cold, but I don't care. <laughs> I mean, they're, they initially hug because they're just relieved. That's, that's why I'm like, he says a thing and about how he's so cold, and I'm like, oh, yeah. excuses, excuses. Mm-hmm. Fuck that noise. Fuck that noise. But then Ellen has to interrupt your little shipper scene by still not being dead. <laughs> the most convenient fading into consciousness. And this is the part that drives me batshit with the fucking spotlight. Because she is not just perfectly framed between their bodies in the shot, but there's literally a perfect, and I mean literally, actually, literally here, there is a literal perfect halo spotlight on her. So she's perfectly lit for the moment when she comes into focus and goes, and they're literally talking about, we need to find the generator. And she goes, the thing that it's you over see here. is over here. And it's like, yes. It's so the- funny. <laughs> she's like those little wizard guys from the beginning of uh, the Legend of Zelda games with the, uh, it's dangerous to go alone, take this. Yes. God, it got me rage squeaking like it always does when this shit happens. But seriously, I was like, she's dead. She's dead, Jim. She's dead, Jim. She's dead, Jim. She's dead, Jim. Oh, apparently she can get healed. All right, well, never mind, Jim. And it's like, mm, I, mm, 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 I got, mm. (laughs) I knew you'd be so mad about her. (laughs) I almost made a snarky comment at one point because I was like, she's dead, Jim, and you'll never know because I can't check a pulse. And then I knew why they didn't check the pulse. It's because she's not dead. Yep. (laughs) Oh. So yeah, so she interrupted your little shipper scene to continue not to die and to give us the plot device of where the generator is. And then we cut away. Uh, so we go back to Chulak and Braytac is leading Hammond and Teal through the woods uh, looking for a ship that he hid out here a hundred years ago. <laughs> but there's another great line. So they're basically like, yeah, these ships were really good, but they were hard to use. You know, you had to have a lot of skill to use them, which is why we don't use them anymore. We got easier things, you know? Um, and then Teal turns to Hammond, and he definitely did this on purpose, because he lived on Earth for two years. But <laughs> he turns to Hammond, and he goes, there is an old Jaffa saying, General Hammond, they do not build them as they once did. <laughs> not to deflect from that, because that is fantastic. I just really quickly wanted to tell you something. Yeah. Uh-huh. I could, I could screen share this with you, but I'm not going to. It's too much work. But <laughs> I found my nose for the scene you were just talking about. Yeah. In all caps, for an entire line, I just wrote, Oh my fucking god, look who's still actually alive enough to continue to be helpful. (laughs) And underneath that, in even bigger writing, what the fuck is that spotlight? (laughs) That's so funny. I just like reading through my stages of anger. It's fun after the fact. As I'm just taking time to pause and go back and go, seriously, what the fuck? No, seriously, what the fuck? So seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. So continue. With, oh, yes. yeah, so, uh, they don't build them like they once did. No, you're right, Tilk. I love it. I What I love about it is he definitely just <laughs> took an Earth saying, because he's been on Earth for two years, he's definitely heard this saying before. And, like, the way he, like, looked at him before he said it, he knows it's an Earth saying. He's making but a the joke. fact that he not only took the Earth saying, but then adjusted it to his mode of speaking. <laughs> I, I, I took. They do not build them as they once did. 
I took it a little differently. I took it that he like had you know knew the Earth joke, you know knew the Earth saying, and I thought that they also had a saying. I thought he was just phrasing it to pretend like he didn't know there was also a corresponding American. Uh, oh Earth no, one. he absolutely did. Uh, like, oh, okay. The joke is absolutely that he's acting like he doesn't know there is an okay, Earth phrase okay. for this. Yeah. Because it was and just funny here's the thing: mm-hmm. there probably is some Chulak version of this phrase as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's it, the delivery is so great because he's definitely. It's been long enough that Teal himself is in on the joke of "Ha ha, I'm an alien and I don't know your guys' sayings." Mel, you know what the bummer of eco-friendly glow sticks is? quicker. This thing is like it's like no glow left. <laughs> it's just tragic. Continue. So, uh, we immediately cut back to, um, Jack and Sam, who are in the fake gate room, and they're <laughs> looking around, they're like, well, it's apparently somewhere in here, and there's just a moment of, like, them looking around, looking around, and then Jack goes over to, like, a power box, and, and there's a lever on the outside of it that, and there's a red light on it, and he just looks at it, looks at Sam, and goes, want me to try? And she's like, might as well. And so he just pulls the lever down, and it goes green, and then the back wall slides backwards, and there's just a massive generator behind the wall. I mean, it's lampshady as fuck. Yeah. And I know only a few episodes ago, I really heavily complained about how much I hate that particular kind of convenient lampshading. I still do. It's a little but, more campy in this episode. So yeah, here's works. the thing. I was talking about how this episode is kind of starting to, I think, live up to what Stargate kind of is in that potential of, like, it has all the good elements. Um, I would like more of the exploration theme. I think it's actually the only one that's missing. That's the yeah. one thing that's missing to make this, like, the perfect quote-unquote sci-fi Stargate right? episode. yeah. I get that. Oh, yeah. no, this episode doesn't happen. I'm not saying it's, like, a bad episode for not having it. I'm just saying that oh. would make it the perfect one. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just a good one in this, in this respect. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with that in mind, I think that kind of follows through with it a little bit. Like, I ugh, I hate one particular part of it that gets taken way too far in Deadpool 2, which is what I remember complaining oh, the, about. Oh, the seven. The seven. That one really annoys me. It's like, uh, no, that's too far. Sorry, too far, bro. <laughs> that, that one's the one that broke my back. Sorry. Here, it's not even remotely that heavy-handed, so on, so on. Um, and I think it's a little cute. So, yeah. I know I complain about it, and I that, that's why I said all of that. I want a record I'm not trying to be a massive hypocrite. I'm just making an exception to my rule, which, as a hypocrite, You're I'm allowed, allowed to do. To. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh no, look what happened, Belle, I got another glow stick. I know, I saw, while I was talking, I saw you just sl- slowly moving it in front of the camera for me. Um, but yeah, so then we cut down to the t- teams in the tunnels, and they uh, quickly get cornered by some Jaffa, and are all brought out to the gate. Basically, and at first I'm like, are they being used as human shields, or a, um, an execution squad. And turns out, it's an execution squad, because... No, 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 A little column A, a little column B. <laughs> yeah, a little both. Because uh, he basically starts, um, shouting out to... I, I don't think he's... He, I don't think he knows where Sam and Jack are. He just is assuming they can hear him, I guess. Um, starts shouting out into the ether, like... If you don't come out soon, if you don't come out in the next minute, I'm going to start shooting your friends. And he's, like, standing right behind Daniel when he does it, so obviously he's threatening Daniel. And I love it because, once again, bratty sub Daniel rolls his eyes at being threatened. 
I'm not saying that Daniel doesn't react to situations in a way that some would deem appropriate. It's just that he has reactions to things that make me go, this guy either has serious PTSD, which is also possible. Yeah. Or he needs a different kind of psych eval. <laughs> I love it. He's just so unimpressed with this man holding a gun to his head. I just love how over he is at these executions. It's like, honey, you need help. I'm sorry. <laughs> you need to talk to somebody. You need. To- this is not a healthy reaction. So, um... Yeah, Sam and Jack are basically watching this like shit. We have to do something, and Sam's like, "Well, it's, <laughs> you don't it's a couple." <laughs> yeah, Sam's like, "Well, it's only a couple more minutes until our our reinforcements are supposed to arrive. Maybe we can wait all, wait till that." And Jack's like, "We don't have that much time." Like he yeah. literally said, "A minute until I start shooting," and then Jack realizes he's like, "Wait, they don't know I'm not a goal, do they?" And she's like, "I guess not." And he's like, "Right, I'm gonna buy us some time." <laughs> And so he just starts walking out there alone, and as soon as he started walking out, I'm like, Jack, Jack, you're not walking like a gold. What are you- <laughs> Jack being a gold is a sight to behold. You heard me. I said Cree. <laughs> well, I love it because, like- Oh, wait, no, sorry, before this, there's another great moment right before he starts walking up, because uh, he's like, yeah, so I'll delay them until the reinforcements come. And then Sam goes- what if reinforcements don't come? And he and his he looks at her and goes, face, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "What do you mean? What if they don't?" And she goes, "They'll come. They'll come. They'll come." I didn't say anything. <laughs> no. Like I said, everyone's faces in this episode were so good at all times. But just, and but between his face and then his just, what do you mean? What if they don't? That's probably the moment I wrote this particular note that I'm looking at. Uh, Jack and Sam sitting in a tree. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you are ridiculous. But so yeah, then he walks up and he's uh, doing a very bad job of pretending being old. And I think like even he can figure out that like as he's getting there that he's like, oh, I'm not doing a good job. Because you see him for a second kind of like straighten his shoulders and try to get a haughty expression on his face. But it doesn't even last. I'm, I'm thinking about it right now, and this is something that could be, like, a reason why this guy, even though it's clearly not a go-old standing before him, maybe this is a reason why he doesn't, like, shoot Jack on sight, is I think maybe he thinks the go-old is still fighting like, for fighting. control. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. That would make yeah, sense. This so guy... He's just kind of, like, waiting to see if this gets better. <laughs> yeah. So this guy's definitely like, okay, well, it's not 100%, but I... Even Daniel, like, just goes, Jack. <laughs> you can tell that Daniel's like, Jack, what are you doing? You're doing a very bad job of it, whatever you're doing. But then, like, you can see Jack eventually just give up pretending at all. And he's just like, make peace. Nice rescue. Good job. <laughs> and gives him the okay symbol. We didn't establish on our thing. Um, it's kind of heavily implied on screen. Um, when she's reviving him, Sam does say, hey, I don't sense anything in you. So I think it's pretty yeah, much yeah. Um, wiping away forever any potential of it being anybody but Sam, who is the uh, radar person. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. So I just want to put that on record. We didn't state it, but it was stated on screen. Well, true. That's true. Implied heavily on screen. Implied heavily. So, yeah, but I do, I, it's, uh, it's a great moment of him just, like, giving up on any pretense of pretending to be gold, right. just so he can make fun of Makepeace. <laughs> nice rescue, good job. <laughs> and Makepeace also rolls his eyes, like, yeah, yeah, Jack. <laughs> yeah, nope, that's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, Jack tells the Jafal leader that Hathor's dead, um, and my note here says, I think Richard Dean Anderson had a cold on the day of this filming, because he's got a frog in his throat this whole scene. I think it's because he had a shout, and I think they had to take a bunch of takes. I think it's just his voice gave out after, you know, take six. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. It could be one or the other, because I've noticed that, like, the sound of his voice is absolutely the sound of people, because I've, I've... Uh, I couldn't name it off the top of my head right now, but I know for a fact that I've watched things. Oh, of course, it's because of the one thing I always watch the the director's commentaries for and everything. Um, sight. I remember one episode. Couldn't tell you which one, but they were talking about it afterwards. They're like, "Yeah, we were both deathly ill this day," and you can kind of tell, <laughs> you know. And so, like, it's the same sort of voice that if he had a cold, I could see it. Uh, but it also could just be because he was yelling, and if he had to do, like, six takes of it, his voice would be froggy near the end of it. I mean, I went to a concert once with somebody for, like, literally 45 minutes before I pieced out because the band was awful. <laughs> but in the 45 minutes of limited conversation I had with that person in a venue where I was five inches away from them. yeah. The next day, my job was, like, involved a lot of talking, and my boss was like, you went to a concert? I'm like, yeah, I'm an idiot. What do you want from me? Because I had no You're allowed to have a fucking day. life outside Yeah, my, well, I was a teenager. My boss was an asshole. What do you want? Um, but I didn't care, because I didn't, 16 didn't know any better. The point yeah. is, my voice sounded like this the next day, and I was after only 45 minutes. So, if you're doing a few takes, we're having to shout, scream at an entire line of dialogue, yeah. plus, I could totally see that. But yeah, uh, so... As he's, like, talking to this Jaffa leader, and the Jaffa leader's like, you're lying about Hathor being dead. He's like, and that's where he does the skit about, you know, she's an ex-queen, blah, 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 the, the Monty Python dead parrot sketch. And as he's talking to him, the gate starts to dial behind him, and then uh, Teal'c flies through on this old ship with Hammond, Hammond in the gunner position. At the same time, Sam destroys the generators, and, um... As the ship flies through, the handful of ground troops that Teal'c managed to convince to to come all storm through as well. Uh, and basically there's a big old firefight where, you know, Makepeace's side managed to get back on their feet because obviously there's J- there's Jaffa on their side now fighting. And oh, okay, it's so a real big quick. fight. Yeah? What, was this the scene? So before, so when the shield goes down, Jack has a gun. Is this the oh, yeah, he has shield goes just down? a little handgun. Yeah, and he tells them to get down, and I just love it because they're all bound still, so they all just kind of throw themselves down yes. in the sand. And I loved it because I could just hear the song, you know, it's rain and men, <laughs> their arms are tied. I just wanted to make sure I've got that note out there. Um, no, it's good, it's good, I, I, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, but then they managed to get back on their feet. <laughs> yeah, um, so, you know, there's basically a big old firefight. Uh, one of the best moments of this firefight is at one point while the little ship that Teal'c's flying is zipping around uh Hammond shoots out one of the towers one of the little turret towers as as his gunner position and he's so hyped to be in the field he does a little yeah and again this is the moment this is the moment where I said everyone's faces in this episode are at 200% and I love it because right. right after he does the yeehaw Teal takes a moment from his flying to just turn around and look at <laughs> Hammond over his shoulder like god damn Hammond 
<laughs> it was the best thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was it was well done. I was happy. I was happy on all the fronts. Uh, but yeah, so then I, I actually kind of, I appreciate that this wrap-up does no wrapping up whatsoever. They defeat the Jaffa and then they're all just kind of lingering outside the gate. God, but, okay. uh... I love the re-greeting where it's Braytek, human. And it's like, <laughs> human? Why doesn't he get a name? Right? Um, but what I, I have two final notes for this episode. Because like I said, the, the firefight ends and the, the episode's done. There's no okay. real wrap-up. There's no talking Val? about anything. Yeah? I want to see if I know you. Is one of your notes about Jack ruffling Daniel's hair? That's my last one. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to prove something to myself. That's all I Because it's the fade out. It's so cute. That's literally my last note. Oh, where I got Wait, is that my last note? That's my last note, too. Yeah, my last note is scene fades on a reunited team as Jack ruffles Daniel's hair. Bless. <laughs> but my second to last note, and I'd had this thought throughout, but it was in this final scene where I was just like, I have to actually, where it like struck me over the head and I had to write it down. It has nothing to do with this episode, but Daniel's cheekbones are popping. He had a nice contour artist that day. Yeah, I think between the new haircut and then he just had a really good makeup artist on on that day. Because this whole episode, his cheekbones are, they're taking over the scene in every scene he's in. That or it's the stressed new parent diet. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. But it was just like, dang, Daniel, what? <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, those are my last two notes. Daniel's cheekbones are popping and Jack ruffles Daniel's hair. <laughs> well, we only took, it only took three hours to get here, so that's that's great. Yeah, but most of it's right at the beginning, so all you have to do is highlight for an hour and then cut it. <laughs> anyway, let's do Listen, this You shit. should be used to this by now. All right. I am. That's why I'm over it. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this. Um, Death tally. I mean, Daniel... Daniel got shot, but I don't think he really made a no, good no, of no. it. Well, I like, guess only I guess Jack was the closest. <laughs> yeah, but he also never like, cause getting snaked isn't getting killed, and yeah. going into cryo also isn't well, getting killed, huh? Um, it depends on how you define that. With you know, if you're getting snaked, whether or not you define that as dying. <laughs> well, we haven't yet, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Uh, so no death tallies. Um, no. what? Are you a Jack or are you a Daniel this episode? There were a couple of times where Jack made a go of it. Uh, mostly with the little moments of, of, of him. I don't know. Uh, as always, it's moments where I'm in love with Sam as well. Yeah. It's moments where he's just an attitude little brat. That kind of shit. I'm just, there's, there's moments where I feel it. But no, I was a Daniel this one. Oh my god. I, okay, <laughs> Daniel not, not, was so good. <laughs> I, I want on you... record that it's not because I'm a... Are you sure? Yeah, no, yeah, shush. Yeah, no, like, one of the other texts I sent you, I was like, for barely being in this episode, Daniel is perfect in every scene. No, I, 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 I'm a Daniel, for a variety of reasons, and if you need to know them, just watch the episode again. Everything that he does is why I'm Daniel in this episode. I'm a Daniel... Easily just for the way he takes the gun from Mick. Exactly! <laughs> I'm always dissatisfied when I'm handed a weapon. As in, I have never been handed a weapon. I've, I've mentioned this before. I would always be dissatisfied as I was if I were handed a weapon. I'd be like, oh, great, it's a gun. Cool. Not a weapon, <laughs> yeah. just a gun. If I were handed a gun, I'd be like, oh, cool. 
Uh, and also, again, I like to think that I would be able to fake being a goal better than Jack did. All right. Yeah, that, I that's like also to not a contender for me to be Jack in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I believe yeah. in myself enough to think I could do that. I believe I could do better than that, at least. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not gonna... um, so, yeah. Yeah, so how do you feel about Joaquin Phoenix? Thumbs up. I like this episode. It's got flaws. Yeah. I say that every time. But seriously, I enjoy the I enjoy this episode. It's actually Absolutely. good. Absolutely. I had fun doesn't this even whole die. time. Even when, even when I was calling out, like, the convenient timing bits and where I was like, how are you still not dead? Stop dying dramatically on screen, woman, and all that stuff. It was just a fun episode. Yeah, I, as far as season openers go, it was not terrible. It sets up a lot of shit, honestly. Just with, like, little oh, things. A lot of show and tell kind of stuff, and I like that. It has some core personnel dedicated to making the episodes. That's kind of obvious. And yeah. And, yeah, I, uh, I have... At this point in time, I'm out of complaints. I'm just happy. <laughs> so, uh, I hate to rain on that parade a little bit. Um, next week. No. Uh, don't say it. No. <laughs> next week, we are covering season three, episode two, Seth. Okay, let's see if I can keep this short. <laughs> I don't know if this is possible. I'm taking it, like, I'm just, like, sitting back so far from the mic. I'm just like, God, fuck this episode. Um, let's, let's see if I can do this. My ability to tolerate cult shit is not what I would label high. I hate everything about the subject. I hate the subject. I hate the concept. <laughs> it's like a requisite for so many shows, and it's not even sci-fi specific. It's kind of genre-spanning sometimes. Yeah. And I just, I, mm, I hate everything about it. <laughs> oh, Mel, you so ain't wrong, happy. man. Anyway, so yeah, uh, <laughs> Seth will be a trip next week. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. Except I can't hide it because fuck this fucking episode. Right. I don't even it's know if it's well it. written. I don't care. I just hate the concept uh, and everything about it's, it. It's by Glasner. Uh, this might not be that bad. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So excited. Yeah, at least it's not Powers. <laughs> or uh, Torvalinza. If it had been Powers, I wouldn't have watched it. I would have been like, I'll just check in with you after you've watched it just let me know how it goes <laughs> oh make me watch and i see how it is yes <laughs> all right so that is it for this week if you want to get a hold of us you can find me on twitter at it's mel not Liss, or our podcast twitter at point of origin pc you can also email us at point of origin cast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it to the nearest wormhole you can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes, including the trivia I didn't bring up until <laughs> two hours in, whatever it was. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I know, I'm still laughing about it, too. It's just, oh, God, that took me too long. I was long. laughing over if you like the show, the show where we called Daniel four times. <laughs> yeah, and I promised myself I wouldn't. It's not the first time I've lied to myself. It's not the first time I've broken a promise to myself. It won't be the last. What if you just bleep all of it out again? I don't know. I don't like that spark in your eyes. Oh, that's even better. Oh, that's even better. What the fuck is she saying, that foul-mouthed bitch? Okay, anyway, so... If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. 
Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. Daniel's a f- <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs>